My name's Dan, uh, part of the leadership team here at the church. It is great to welcome you here today. And over the last few weeks, we've been uh, exploring the church in Antioch. That, uh, that they, this example, this blueprint they, they give us of, of what it looks like to be church. To give us something to hold up against and say, this is where we want to be. Um, if you're part of Jubilee, we, we, we want it to make a real difference to your life being part of us. You know, we have been called uh, for, to a purpose by God. And whether you are, you know, with us for a few months as you come and study in the city or work temporarily or you're with us for the next 25, 30 years, we all have a role to play. And being part of Jubilee or any church community is more than just turning up once a week. It's more than just serving on a rotor. It's more than just giving some of your money. We believe that at Jubilee, what holds us together is our convictions, what we believe, our community, our togetherness, our contribution, what we bring, and our commission, what our purpose is. You know, in the Bible, there is the word Christian is mentioned in the New Testament just three times. It's this, this name for this new group that are emerging, but actually when Jesus talks about following Jesus, there's no such thing as, like, oh, well, there's a Christian, and then there's these who take, come once a week, and then there's these who take seriously. No, there's, there's just the word disciple, those who are going to give up everything to follow Jesus. You know, Sue spoke beautifully last week about what it is to be a grace-filled people. And it's so important that we never stray from being a people who are amazed by God's grace, that God would have chosen to add us into his family. We who were once far away have been drawn near. Sue spoke about how we are called by grace, how we are kept by grace, and then how we are commissioned by grace, that we have received grace. And, and what that means is that we are now active in extending that grace to others so that they can too experience and encounter Jesus. And it is that commission that I want us to focus on today, the mission that we are on as a church. I want us to read from Acts 11, 19 to 21. We've been in this passage for a number of weeks, and so I'm hoping that if you don't know much of your Bible, at least you might know these three verses by the end of the time, and even learning how to pronounce some names. Acts 11, 19 to 21, if you've got your Bibles, you'll turn there, it'll come up on the screen. Now those who've been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among only Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. These early believers, they have left Jerusalem, they have traveled into new areas, and it tells us that they start sharing the gospel with Gentiles, those who are not Jews, Greek speakers. Previously, the gospel has only reached Jerusalem amongst the Jews, but now it marks a new moment. The mission has changed. But God's people have always been on mission. Right at the start of the Bible, we see God's, the first people God created, Adam and Eve, they are given a mission. Genesis 1.28 says God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This first mission is to go and multiply. 
God has made man and woman in his image, and then he commissions them to fill the earth with lots more image bearers. There is this missionary call to show God's glory off to the rest of creation. Abraham, who then becomes Abraham, is called a few pages later in Genesis. And God promises that through his family, all the nations would be blessed. Genesis 15, we see God make a covenant with Abraham. God tells him, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can, so shall your offspring be. Here, there is this promise that Abraham's family would be a blessing to the entire world and they would outnumber the stars in the sky, that these image bearers would fill the earth. Abraham's mission was a continuation of that mandate given to Adam and Eve. And then there is this wonderful promise in the the book of Zechariah in chapter 8. God gives this prophetic picture, a a view into the future of what is to come. And it says in verse 7 and 8, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will bring my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people. I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. God will draw a people from the nations to live together under his reign in the eternal city. Image bearers filling the world. And we see this, uh, see this picture in its fullness in the book of Revelation where we see every, people from every tribe and tongue gathered around the throne of Jesus worshipping him. This mission of filling the earth with image bearers is the mission that God always had for his people. So why does God want image bearers? So that his glory will be known. This final moment when everyone is worshipping around Jesus. He is worshipped by all the nations. You know, you could read passages like Psalm 96 verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous work among his people. Or Isaiah 12, 4. Make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Or Romans 15. God sends Jesus on a mission in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Or Romans 9, 7. God does his mighty work in history so that his name may be proclaimed in all the earth. John Piper, an American pastor, he says, Worship is the goal and the fuel of mission. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Let's repeat that. Worship is the goal and the fuel of mission. Missions exist because worship doesn't. There will be a day when that prophecy I read from Zechariah 8 and the scene that we see in Revelation will happen. Mission will then cease because the world will be filled with image bearers of God. Filled with people worshipping Jesus. But until that day, the church has a mission. To be image bearers. And to see others becoming image bearers. And to see the kingdom of God advancing. In the church in Antioch, in Acts that we read about, it sees a fresh expression of this mission. Previously it has only reached the Jews, but now Jesus has opened up the gospel to everyone. As Ephesians 2 tells us, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, he has opened up the kingdom of God for all. We have become one new man, it says in Ephesians 2. Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, now able to enter into the kingdom. It's wonderful news. I am adopted into God's family. I receive all 
that God has for me, life and freedom. I was once a slave to sin, now I'm a slave to righteousness. It's wonderful news. There's not many ethnic Jews amongst us, I don't think. But no, we're now, we were Gentiles, but now we have access to the Father. We were not part of God's people, now we are. That's really good news. Yeah? Is that good news? Can I get an amen at least for that? Come on. The early Christians had been given a task. This mission to make image bearers. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he says, he came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to live as image bearers. And then to go and make more disciples, more image bearers. As a result of this persecution, the believers that we see in Antioch are scattered. And then they go and make disciples. They had a mission and they were focused on it. And that meant wherever they went, they preached the gospel and made new disciples. In the verses in Acts 11, we see these believers from Antioch specifically targeting the Greeks. Those people who were lost. They specifically targeted them with the message of the gospel. There is an intentionality about their actions in order for the gospel to advance. And every Gentile Christian is a result in some way of the missionary work that took place in Antioch. And I wonder whether the church in this nation and in the West has forgotten the mission. You know, we talk about discipleship. We might feel like we're connected. We might feel committed to the local church. But really, what we are embarking on is a self-improvement project. You know, I can do better. How can I do better? How can I live a better life? How can I have my own way? You know, we live in this consumer culture. And we have to watch that it doesn't creep into our walk with Jesus and into the culture of the church. I don't feel like going to church today. Or maybe you do go to church, but you analyze it like you would watch, like you would after you've left a cinema when you've watched a film. I don't really like the song choices today. You know, I would preach. It wasn't great, was it? I didn't really feel like I got much from Sunday. No, no, no. We have a mission. You know what? It's not about us. It's not about us. Yes, we want to learn how to follow Jesus better. Yes, we want to use our gifts and we want to develop. Yes, we want to be discipled and we want to help others disciple and we want to help disciple others, but we want to do those things because we want to be more like Jesus. And when people see us as image bearers, it would cause God to be glorified and worshipped. That's the aim. And all that we do is about the mission we are called to. That the church is God's plan. It's his way of seeing the kingdom expand to the point where one day the whole earth will be filled with image bearers. Disciples gathered around the throne of God, worshipping together. What a day that will be. What a day. Everything you're going through right now, every hardship, every trial, oh man, it will pale into insignificance in that day. And sometimes I think our language can be unhelpful because when we speak about mission, then we immediately start to discount ourselves. You know, you might think of the evangelist or a church leader or a missionary, and that's the people where the real missionary work happens. 
You know, I believe that God has planned that the majority of Christian mission will not be done by missionaries, professionals, evangelists, but everyday disciples going about their business. Every one of us can step into the mission that God has for us. We don't have to feel like we have every answer. But from the day we meet Jesus, we can all tell people what God has done. We can all talk about the gospel. We can pray for people. We can talk about our Christian faith in, a, in our everyday life. We don't have to become weird. Praise the Lord. It doesn't have to be forced. It can be really natural, but it is about being intentional. It is about looking for opportunities when God presents them and trusting that as we live our lives as image bearers, people will notice. There will be opportunities to speak of Jesus and what he has done. God's mission needs ordinary Christians to talk about God in their lives. The reason we are here is because the early believers in Antioch took that mission seriously. They're not even named in the passages that we read. Ordinary disciples. And at Jubilee, we want to help each person live out the mission that Jesus has for us. I just wanted to invite Carl, who's going to come and just share, just for a few moments, what it looks like to be an ordinary disciple. Not that Carl's anything ordinary. He's a wonderful man. But God started speaking to Carl a few weeks ago, and I just wanted him to share for a few moments. And then I'll be back. Wait then. So, good morning. As Dan said, my name's Carl. I'm married to Jane. And I'm not part of the church leadership. That's not a pun. I'm not part of the church leadership. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, was buried, rose again for the sin of mankind to pay the penalty for us so that you and I could be here today. And before he went back up to his Father in heaven, he appeared to his disciples and he says, what we've just read about in Matthew, he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we read that in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. This is known now as... You know, you know this. This is now known as the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. One of the reasons why I said that I'm not, one of the reasons why I'm not on the church leadership is because I want to show you in the next few minutes why it's not, it's for every single person who calls themselves a disciple and not for a select few to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So that call from Jesus is for all disciples. You may have heard the expression that um, the church is not a building, but a people. But I like to think the church is not a building full of people, but the church is a people 
full of Jesus. So if you've acknowledged your sin, if you've confessed it, you've repented of it, and you've forsaken it and put it behind you and accepted what Christ has done for you on the cross to set you free from the penalty of sin, then you are a Christian, then you are a Christian disciple. And if you're a Christian disciple, then this great commission includes you and it includes me. Another reason why I said I'm not part of the church leadership is to remind, to remind us that most of you, like me, don't have a pulpit. Who would have wanted it? But you don't have a pulpit, but we all have a platform. And that platform is wherever God has placed you or wherever God has placed me in your family, with your friends, in your workplace or non-workplace or wherever it may be. That is your platform. We read in Matthew 9, 35 to 38, that when Jesus saw the crowds of people, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's just the same today. People are harassed in the things of the world and they're helpless in the things of God. Christians as well, you may have experienced this, Christians yourself can also be harassed in the things of the world, but you are not helpless in the things of God. Why? Because God has come to live in you in the person of his Son through the Holy Spirit. It says in Colossians 1.27, it says that Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And after that, after that he says to them, pray and ask the Father, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth workers into his harvest field. Now we've already seen that we've got a, a platform. Now we've got a harvest field or a mission field. So we've got that as well. And that harvest field, that platform, that mission field is wherever God has placed you, wherever God has placed me. I like to think of it in this way. Each individual Christian disciple is a signpost. Now, what does a signpost do? A signpost points to, points to something or points to someone. As Christian disciples, our lives, everything that we do should be a signpost pointing people to Jesus. You remember the, sto you remember the story of um, John the Baptist? When John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he do? He said, he signposted him and he pointed to Jesus and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's he doing? He's pointing to Jesus. Pointing to Jesus. And in John chapter 4, we read about the, the great story of the woman of Samaria who has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And what does she do? She goes back to the town where she's from, from Samaria. She goes back into it and she says, Come and see a man who told me every single thing that I've ever done. Yet he's not judging me. He's not criticizing me. He's not condemning me. He's forgiven me for my sin. Come and see. What always amazes me is the fact that all the people come back and follow her. Then a bit later on, we read that he says, we no longer believe this Jesus because of what you said, because of your amazing testimony, your amazing transformation, as great as that is. We've seen and heard from him ourselves. And we want you to know 
that we acknowledge now that this Jesus is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the one who was to come. And that's what we're trying to do. All we're seeking to do is to point people to Jesus so that they can come into that personal relationship, forgiveness that we've got because of believing what Christ has done on the cross for us. Not that technical around the picking switches. So we've seen, the, we've seen John the Baptist pointing. We've seen the woman of Samaria pointing to Jesus. Right, so over the years, I've been a Christian for quite a long time, over the years I've heard lots of people, lots of Christian people say to me, but I'm not an evangelist. Telling people about Jesus, but I'm not an evangelist. And I say, now I just say, great. Because in Ephesians 4, it says that Jesus called some disciples to be evangelists. Not all, but some disciples to be evangelists. But he's called all disciples into this great commission to go into all the world, tell other people about Jesus, and make disciples for them. I'm going to have to race through this now. So, so finally, because my time is almost up, looking at my little timekeeper there, doom, 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 my timekeeper there, how are you going to respond? How will you respond this morning? How will I respond? Will you take up Christ's challenge to be part of that great commission that God has already called us into He's got an expectation on us. This is what we're going to do. How are you going to respond? How am I going to respond? Are you going to be using the platform that God has provided us? Are we going to be using the mission field that God has provided us to tell people, to signpost people, pointing them to Jesus and say, look, this is this Jesus. Come and see for yourself. Sorry about that. I've run out of time. Lot. So that's all I've got to say. Done. Give him a round of applause. No, I don't want a round of applause. Thank you. And, and one of the things... I've got two more minutes. One of the things as well is that what I asked Carl to share was that we all have our, like Carl said, our different platforms. And, you know, this, we all have different gifts. And if it is left to me and Phil, or, you know, we're going to reach a small amount of people. And yet... Carl is in the, on the factory floor living out Jesus. He's not, you know, he's, he's, he's busy. He's busy making lots of the products that we use in our house every, every week in the factory. He isn't there walking around with a cross going, repent, repent. No, he's, he's been an image bearer. And then when the opportunity arises, he takes it. And that's what I love about the way Carl lives his life. And we need to be intentional to give ourselves to this mission. And there's one thing that's vital for us to remember. That when it comes to mission, that it is God's mission. Jesus said that he will build his church. The pressure's off. Yes, we live intentional lives, but we remember that it is God's mission. 
Because when I read the scriptures, I see God encounter people in many, many different ways. There's no strategy that we can tap into. Well, if we do this, this, and this, then this will happen. No, we simply live our lives as image bearers and we see what God does. We read about Paul in in Corinth in Acts 18 and Paul is met with opposition and God speaks to him in a vision and he says in verses 9 to 11 of Acts 18, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. God had many people in that city that he wanted to save. And we believe that is true for our city. I refuse to believe that God's desire is that this city will be overwhelmed by darkness. That it will have such a small percentage of our city following Jesus. We believe that God has many that he wants to save. And therefore, we can trust that as we are obedient in our call to make disciples, that God will move and people will be added into the kingdom. Some will come through our Alpha course. Some will walk through the doors of our church because they hear the music. Some will walk through the church, come to church because you have invited them. Some will meet with Jesus while you're talking to them about faith over a pint at the pub. Some will meet Jesus as you offer to pray for someone that you meet in the street who is struggling or in need of healing. Happening in other places in the world and hopefully going to happen here more and more is Jesus appearing to people in dreams. Amazing in some of the Muslim majority countries. Story after story of Jesus. You know, there's no one, no one around them to, t- to tell them about Jesus. So Jesus breaking down all barriers, meeting people in their dreams. We can't package the gospel up. This is about God working through ordinary people like you and I. You know, talk to each other afterwards. You will find out that every one of us has a different story of how we met with Jesus. Maybe even someone will have a story of how they met Jesus today. Jesus says in John 5, 17, my father is always at work. This is great news because it means that God is far more involved than we realize. You might not see the fruit, but don't lose hope. You know, the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us that as we scatter seed, that it is God who brings about the growth. Some of the things that we, uh, we have sown into, we will see a harvest this year. Others may take years. There are prayers that we are praying. There is work that we are doing that we will never see the fruit of. Someone else will reap the harvest in the years to come. I believe that there are promises and prayers that have been prayed in this building through the Methodist movement over the last 200 years that we are seeing a fulfillment of now. I wish I had more uh, records of what was prayed and said here. But I believe it is true because God is working all of the time. You know, we sing it. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's what we believe. You never stop working. And I do want to say that our mission is not to build a bigger church. We could focus on gathering a crowd. We could make our meetings better quality. 
We could make things look a little bit shinier. We could preach messages that make you, motivate you and make you feel good. We could draw a crowd. I'm not into church transfer. Now, please hear me. There are really good reasons to, to, to move on from your church and to join another church. But I don't want to grow a church from church transfers. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we've got a full room. We must be doing well. Because mission is about seeing people saved. Just adding Christians. We're adding Christians and no one gets saved. Our role is to push back the darkness. Our role is to go into places of darkness with a message of hope and truth, carrying light into darkness. We're going to keep church planting. We're going to keep going to the places where there are no or very little church presence. It's certainly not the easy road. It's a, a risky move because it will demand things of us. It will demand sacrifice. We will get weaker as people move to go into new things. There will be people who will get disgruntled when their friends move to follow the plans and purposes of God. There will be people who leave the church because they go, oh, it's just, you're always talking about going. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But we, because we need to. Because we have a mission from God and it is the only one he has given us. And so we need to step into it. Ordinary disciples following the call of God and stepping in to all the stuff that God has for them. That's the mission, to be image bearers. This week, how are you going to be an image bearer? How, as Carl shared, are you going to use your platform, your sphere of influence to reach people. And I want to invite you to do something brave because there are, there are people amongst us who are going after this in a big way. I'm learning from them all the time. Well done. Keep going. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. But I know for many of us, we know, know we're just going through the motions. We're just, maybe we feel a bit stuck. Maybe we're just, you know, we're going about this Christian thing, but really, are we really following Jesus into everything? Are we really looking for opportunities to live out as image bearers? And I just want to invite you just to do something bold in front of people is just to come down to the front no one's going to pray for you there's going to be no ministry unless God leads another way and we'll see about that later on but because I want you to do something because if you if you know actually I'm not stepping into the fullness of what God has for me God's called me into this mission and I'm you know I'm not you know when Jesus says come follow me I'm not I'm not really following. I've, I've, I've added something to my life. Or maybe I, I, was, I was going after, I was intentional. I was living a life of purpose. I was going after the things of God. I was sacrificing. I was willing to lay down my life to follow Jesus. But you know what? Over time, I've just got weary. I've just got tired. Or maybe, maybe I've just, I'm just a bit embarrassed. Maybe it's just, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. You know, there's days... I, there's days where I'm with my, you know, my, my friends. I've known, 
I've got a group of guys who I've been friends with for years and I play football, played football with them for years, still try to, my legs are getting old, but still try to. And I'm in the changing room or I'm after the game, we're together, I'm in the pub with them and, and then the opportunity comes, oh, am I, I going to go again? Am I going to say something that might not be that popular? Am I going to be, am I going to step out again or am I just, oh, opportunity, God, I feel like you're opening it up. Nah, I'm going to take the easy path. I'm going to take the, I'm, I'm more worried about what they think than what God thinks. Okay, I'm going to go that way. Opportunities where we miss. Because i tell you something, if you're not willing to put your hand up in front of a bunch of Christians, you're not going to do it during the week. You're not going to do it when the opportunity comes. And so, if you know, you just, there's a stepping up. There's a stepping up when it comes to the mission of God. As we worship, I just want you to invite you to the front. And all you're going to be doing by coming to the front is, is you're going to say, God, I'm available. I'm available. No one's going to whisk, whisk you off to a room and say, now we're going to do some evangelism training. We expect you out on the street. God uses different missions to different people. I love that Phil goes out on the street. Oh, man. It's not what God's gifted me for. There's a grace on Phil when he does that. Now, this, is not, this is about God using you as you are, as he has made you to advance the gospel. And so all you're doing as we worship is just to come through and just to say, God, I'm available. And as you take that step in front of everyone else, God sees that. And I believe God is going to give us opportunities. So let us respond. Why don't you just come to the front now as we worship? Let's make ourselves available to God.